good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. We're glad you're here. Like Pastor Ron said, today is Cinco de Mayo, so I hope that you're getting some really good Mexican food at some point throughout the day today. Um, I'll be heading to Taco Bell after the service because I heard that's good. So I heard that's pretty authentic, and it never hurts your stomach at all is what I've been told. So I'll be heading there if anybody wants to go with me after church today. But um, hopefully you have, like Ron said, the month of May is a time of celebration. There's so many different things happening that we get to celebrate and be a part of, and we're glad that you're here to be a part of what we believe God is asking us to do as a church in the month of May and going forward. Um, So thank you for being here this morning. We are in the middle of a series that we are calling, Is He Worthy? And we kind of started this on Easter Sunday by looking at the resurrection and looking at, um, is Jesus worthy of who he said that he was as the Son of God uh, and and what he did by being raised from the dead? And um, we really like that question. And so what we wanted to do is kind of keep exploring that question uh, as we did a study of the book of Mark. And so what we're doing is we're working our way through the book of Mark Uh, one chapter at a time, and just asking the question with each chapter, is he worthy? Is he worthy? Um, And so last week, Pastor Ron kind of started that off with Mark chapter 1, and asking the question, is he worthy of our amazement? If you look at Mark chapter 1, you find a lot of people who were amazed when they were in the presence of Jesus, and how we can and should be amazed whenever we find ourselves in the presence of Jesus as well. And so um, this week, we kind of keep working our way to Mark chapter 2. And let me encourage you with this. As we do this study, um, we are really not going to be able to get to everything in each chapter. Like today, we're looking at one small part of chapter 2. So let me encourage you with something. Um, if, I think it would be great if you followed along with us over the next few weeks. So as we read a chapter, why don't you read that chapter uh, during the week? Because you're going to find a lot of places that you're going to be able to fill in gaps that we can't get to during a Sunday morning service. But it would be awesome if we were all kind of working our way through the book of Mark together and studying it and learning together as we look at this really important question of, is he worthy? And so this morning, we're going to keep asking that question. And the question this morning is this, is, is he worthy of our effort? Is he worthy of our effort? Now, listen, let's just be honest. Whenever we, whenever we ask this question, is he worthy? No matter what comes after it, I think we all know that the answer to the question should be yes, right? Is he worthy of our amazement? Yes. Is he worthy of our effort? Yes, of course he is. But I think many times in our lives, we don't necessarily really believe that. Or we don't really, our lives don't reflect the answer to that question. Because is Jesus worthy of our effort? Absolutely he is. But there are a lot of things in our lives that take our time and our energy and our effort. And some of those things are great things, but they pull us away from the things that really ultimately matter. That being our relationship with Jesus. So is Jesus worthy of our effort? Of course he is. But there are a lot of things that pull at us. There are a lot of things that distract us. The pace of life, everything that we have going on, the busyness of our jobs and our families and our homes and everything that we have going on in our lives can keep us away from actually spending time working on our relationship with Jesus. There are a lot of things in our lives that can be a waste of our effort, that can be a 100% waste of our effort. I'm, I'm a child of the 90s. All right, I grew up in the 90s, and so in the 90s, we had lots of really weird toys and games and things that were 100% a waste of effort, all right? I'm going to talk about one that is the perfect example in my mind. In 1996, something was introduced to the world that could never be taken back, all right? 
and it was called a Tamagotchi. Does anybody remember Tamagotchis? Some of you remember Tamagotchis. I brought, here's, a, here's a picture of Tamagotchis. Now, Tamagotchis were an amazing invention, right? That really high-tech screen that you see right there in the middle of that thing, that high-tech screen, a Tamagotchi was known as a digital pet. So you would carry that thing everywhere you go, all right? And you would take care of your Tamagotchi. When it was time to feed your Tamagotchi, you had to hit a couple of buttons to feed it. When it was time to um, put your Tamagotchi to sleep, you would put it to sleep. And you, like, people were losing their minds over Tamagotchis. Now, I was far too cool to own a Tamagotchi, but my little brother had one, and uh, his friends had them, all right? And, when, and here's the thing. If you didn't take care of your Tamagotchi or you lost your Tamagotchi, your Tamagotchi died. I kid you not, it died. It, in, a, in a world somewhere out there, your digital pet would die, all right? And kids were losing their minds when their Tamagotchi died, all right? They were crying and wailing and mourning. And then there was a little reset button on the back, and you would just hit that reset button, and boom, you'd start over again with a brand new digital pet, all right? Total 100% waste of time, waste of effort, waste of energy. You weren't even taking care of a real thing. You were taking care of a keychain. I mean, come on. <laughs> How hard is that? But it was a waste of time. But, like, there are so many distractions in our lives. That's a really silly example. But if you really examined your life and looked at the things that you really spend your time and energy on, there will be certain things on that list that are just a waste of our time. They're not bad things but they're not the best use of our time and energy and effort. And so is Jesus worthy of our effort? Absolutely he is. So we need to look and answer the question by looking at the things that really matter, not the things that distract us, not the things that, that take away from our energy and effort, but the things that really ultimately matter. So to do that, we're going to look at Mark chapter 2 today. And like I said, we're just going to look at one segment of Mark chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12. You can follow along in a Bible on your phone. The verses will be on the screen. Um, but in Mark chapter 2, basically, here's what's happening. Jesus is still kind of new in introducing his ministry to the world, all right? There's, uh, people are, but, peop, but he's gaining momentum. There's a lot of buzz around Jesus. There's a lot of momentum happening. Jesus is healing people. Jesus is speaking and preaching and teaching. And some of the things that he's saying are totally different than what other religious leaders of that time had been saying. And so there's this buzz and momentum around him. And it's at that point that we hit Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Let's read a story that is, I think is going to help us understand what it looks like um, to make Jesus uh, a priority in our lives and make Jesus worthy of our effort. So let's start right at the beginning. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says this, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. 
And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Very interesting story. And there are a lot of different things that we could look at and study and try to understand better in this story. There's a lot of theological things that are talked about in there. There are a lot of physical things that are talked about in there. But again, I want us to look at the question, is Jesus worthy of our effort? And to help us do that, the way I want to do that is I want to look at three different groups of people that are in this story. Three different groups of people that put in some kind of effort. And it's through the example of the effort that they put in that we can learn lessons about our own lives. That we can learn lessons about the effort that we put in to our relationship with Jesus. And so we're going to look at three different groups of people. And then I want us to ask some questions of ourselves. To kind of look at our own hearts, our own lives, our own effort. And, and, ask our, and be able to answer the question, is Jesus really worthy of our effort? Then what am I doing to make him a priority? So... The first person that I think we need to look at is the most obvious one. We need to look at the paralyzed man. And we need to look at the man's effort to get close to Jesus. The man's effort to get close to Jesus. So Jesus has arrived in Capernaum. He's drawing a lot of attention. And this guy and his friends knew that they had to get close to Jesus. That they had to be in his presence. That they had to be near him. So there's a few things about this man that I think are interesting that we can learn from. First was his desire to be close to Jesus. This man was not going to let his limitations stop him from getting close to Jesus. And he wasn't afraid to ask for help to get him there. He wasn't afraid to ask for help to get him there. He needed the help of his friends to get close to Jesus. Sometimes we can be like that man. We have our own limitations. We have our own challenges. We have our own hurdles in our lives. And sometimes we need to be willing to ask for help from other people who are a little further along in their faith, who, who maybe have been following Jesus a little bit longer than we have. And those people can help bring us closer to Jesus through their encouragement, through their teaching, through, their challenge, through challenging us and helping us understand our faith better. But this man did, was not afraid to ask for help because he had a desire to be close to Jesus. The second thing about this man was his acknowledgement of his need for Jesus. His acknowledgement of his need for Jesus. Listen, this guy knew that he needed Jesus, right? He was paralyzed, out of options. Nothing, everything I'm sure that he tried didn't work. When you're paralyzed, you're paralyzed. There's, there's nothing you can really do about it at that point. And yet this guy acknowledged, even in the midst of all of those challenges, that he needed Jesus in his life. That only Jesus could step in and make a difference that nobody else could or that he couldn't do for himself. He couldn't solve his own paralysis. He couldn't cure his own paralysis. He, he needed to acknowledge that he needed Jesus to help. And sometimes we need to be willing to admit that we need Jesus in our lives as well. That the problems that we're facing, the issues that we're dealing with, are issues that we can't solve on our own. That we need help. And we need to acknowledge that we need that help, that we need to be near Jesus. We need to be close to Jesus so that Jesus can work in our hearts and in our lives. The third thing about this guy that I think is really interesting is his courage to take a step closer to Jesus. His courage to take a step closer to Jesus. Think of, it, think of the context of what's going on in this story. If you were a person with a disability in that time, in, in that time of history... You were not supposed to be seen or heard. Because for a lot of families, if you had a son or a daughter that had a disability, that was an embarrassing thing for your family. 
And so many times people with disabilities were forced to live outside of the village or they were forced to live in a certain corner of the village that nobody ever talked about or went to or remembered was even there. And so for this man to have the courage to take, first of all, a figurative step closer to Jesus, but then his figurative steps to get closer to Jesus led to physical steps that healed him. But for him to take that step of courage was huge. It was countercultural. It was something that wasn't supposed to happen. A person with a disability was not supposed to speak up that way. And yet he was willing to take those steps of courage. He was willing to step out. And his courage required risk. It required faith. And even with those things, he was willing to take those next steps. Here at Alliance, one of our core values as a church is that we want to be a group of people who are always taking next steps. We are always taking next steps. Whether that's the very first step you take in your faith to put your faith and trust in Jesus, or whether that's the thousandth step that you take to get closer to Jesus than you've ever been before. We all have a next step to take. And some of those steps require courage. Some of those steps require risk. Some of those steps require big faith to take them. But we can learn from the effort that this man put in. That despite all of the other stuff going on in his life, he was willing and had the courage to take a next step. I hope that all of us have the opportunity to take a next step in our faith. And so, like I said, I want to look at these three different groups of people, and then I want us to ask a question of ourselves. To kind of look at our own lives and ask ourselves, am I following the example of the people that, that, that set the example for me in this story? So the question whenever we look at this man's effort is this, am I doing what it takes to be close to Jesus? Am I doing what it takes to be close to Jesus? This man was willing to do whatever it took to be close to Jesus. Whatever it took. He was willing. And so I want, I want you to think about this question in two parts. Am I willing to do whatever it takes to be close to Jesus personally? And am I willing to do whatever it takes to be close to Jesus corporately? And here's what I mean by that, personally. Am I willing to do whatever it takes personally to be close to Jesus? Am I willing to look at the way I spend my time? Am I spending some of my time every day in God's word, studying the Bible, reading what God's word says to me? Am I spending time in my schedule speaking to God in prayer, listening to God in meditation? Am I spending time growing these spiritual disciplines in my life so that I can be closer to Jesus. Because there's a personal aspect to this. There's a personal responsibility to this for each and every one of us. But then the second part of the question is this. Am I doing what it takes to be close to Jesus corporately? If I'm going to be part of the church, if I'm going to be part of the body of Christ, am I doing what it takes to get closer to Jesus together as a church? Am I surrounding myself with other people who are going to help me because listen at the end of the day we need each other to grow we need each other to help us get closer to jesus so am i doing that am i am i here on a regular basis am i part of a small group am i part of a class am i part of a group of people who are serving other people in this church Am I a part of that together? Because it's, it's when we do these things together that we will all get closer and closer to Jesus. And here's the thing. I don't want you to feel any guilt by anything I'm saying. I'm just asking this. Am I willing to take a next step in that area of my life? And if I am, if you are, please let us help you take that next step. Please let us help you take that next step. We would love to find a, a small group, a Bible study, a class, 
a, a group of people that you can be around, a place that you can serve, some place where you can get connected to the body of Christ so that you and I can each take next steps in, being cl- in getting closer and closer to Jesus personally and corporately. So we can learn a lot from the, the faith of this man, the effort of this man. We can also learn a lot from the effort that his friends put in. So that's the second group of people I want to look at is, is this, are this man's friends and the friend's effort to bring him to Jesus. The friend's effort to bring him to Jesus. Look at verse 4 again. Verse 4 says, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Now, these are some pretty good friends, right? I mean, some of them kind of put some of my friends to shame. And maybe some of your friends to shame. No, I have really good friends, and I hope you have really good friends that, are, that would do these types of things for you. But the, this is an example of a really strong relationship, friendship, people that are willing to do whatever it takes to bring their friend closer to Jesus. And we can learn a lot from their example. And there are a few things that are interesting about these guys that I think we can learn from, too. The first thing is that they didn't let obstacles stop them. They didn't let obstacles stop them. Think about all of the obstacles that were in the way of these guys getting their friend to Jesus. Number one, they were carrying him on a mat. So that's physically demanding, carrying him on the mat. They walk up to the house where Jesus is. There's a crowd, so much so that they couldn't all fit in the house. So now you've got a man on a mat with a house full of people. How on earth are you going to get him closer to Jesus? It would have been far easier for them to say, you know what? Let's find another day when Jesus isn't quite so busy. But they didn't do that. They didn't let the obstacles stop them. In fact, they were so determined that they climbed up onto the roof with their friend on a mat, dug a hole in that roof, lowered their friend down just to get him close, just to get in the same room as Jesus. They did not let any obstacles stop them from bringing somebody into the presence of Jesus. I want friends like that in my life. I want friends like that in my life. People that aren't going to give up on me. People that are going to do whatever it takes to bring me closer to Jesus. To put me in a place where I can be close to Jesus. I want friends like that in my life. Here's the, here's the flip side of that. I want to be that kind of friend for other people. I want to be that kind of friend for other people. I, and I will admit to you, I have failed at this much more than I've succeeded at it. Because sometimes I don't want to put in the effort. Sometimes I don't think it's worth it. Sometimes I'm too busy, but I want to be that kind of friend that is not going to let the obstacles stop me from bringing people closer to Jesus. I hope that you want those types of people in your life. I hope you want to be that type of person for other people in your life. People that don't let the obstacles stop them from bringing people closer to Jesus. The second interesting thing about these guys is that fear didn't hold them back. Fear didn't hold them back. There were a lot of things that could have gone wrong for these guys, weren't there? First and foremost, they were digging a hole in a roof that could have very easily collapsed, and the whole thing could have gone just absolutely wrong. Houses in that day were built with roofs that were made out of like mud and sticks and straw. It wasn't exactly the most structurally sound piece of... uh, engineering that was ever ever made and everything could have everything could have gone wrong and yet they didn't let their fear stop them 
from doing whatever it took to get their friend closer to Jesus. There was another thing that I'm sure they were probably thinking in the back of their mind that maybe they were a little bit fearful of. It was the fear of their reputation. From this day forward, these four guys were going to be known as the crazy roof guys that dug a hole in a roof to drop their friend into a room where Jesus was. That's, that's all they were going to be known as for the rest of their lives. That was going to be their reputation. That was going to be who they were. They didn't care. They didn't care what other people thought. They didn't care what other people determined about them. What mattered was Jesus. What mattered was their friend. What mattered was getting their friend close to Jesus. No matter what it took, no matter what kind of mark it put on their reputation, it didn't matter. They did not let fear hold them back. Again, I want friends like that in my life. People who aren't going to be afraid of what might happen to get me closer to Jesus. And again, I want to be that kind of friend for other people in my life. Where I don't care about what people think about me. I don't care about what my, what my reputation is. All that matters is Jesus. And all that matters is bringing people closer to him. The third thing about these guys that I think was very interesting is that their faith made a difference. Their faith made a difference. Look at verse 5 again. Verse 5 says this, Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. Look at that very first statement in verse 5 again. Seeing their faith. It wasn't just the faith of the paralyzed man. It wasn't just the faith of one of them individually. Seeing their faith caught Jesus' attention. It made a difference. It made an impact. All of them working together to bring their friend to Jesus made a difference. Their faith in who Jesus was and what Jesus could do for them made all the difference. But it required their faith. And their faith made an impact. We need people around us who have strong faith who have strong faith, who can help us when our faith is weak, who can help us when our faith is shattered, who can help us when our faith is, is struggling because we're going through a lot of really tough stuff in our lives. We need people of faith who can bring us closer to Jesus, even in those difficult times. We need to be those people of faith who can reach back to the people who are struggling behind us, reach an arm out to them and bring them closer to Jesus, even in the midst of their challenges and their struggles and their doubts and their fears and everything that they're facing. We can be those types of people who are, where our faith can make a difference as well. How appreciative do you think that this, this man was of his friend? How grateful do you think this man was for his friend? They were willing to do so much for him. They were willing to put so much on the line for him. And that brings us to the questions that we need to ask ourselves as we look at our lives, as we look at the effort that we're putting in to our relationship with Jesus. The first, there's actually two questions with this, because remember, we've been looking at this from kind of, I want to be that kind of friend, and I need that kind of friend, right? So the two questions we need to ask ourselves are this. Am I around people who are bringing me closer to Jesus? Am I around people who are bringing me closer to Jesus? Who are my friends? Who are my friends? Who are the people in my life 
And are they people that are bringing me closer to Jesus? I'm not saying you can't be friends with people who don't have faith. That Don't misunderstand that. We, we need to have friends with people from all over the place. But here's the thing. Are there people in my life that I know are going to challenge me, encourage me, and help me get closer to Jesus? And then the second question that goes along with that. Am I doing whatever it takes to bring other people to Jesus? So not only do I have those types of friends, but am I that type of friend? Am I the type of person that's doing whatever it takes to bring people closer to Jesus? We can learn a lot from this man's friends. We can learn a lot from the effort that they put in to bring him closer to Jesus. There's a third group of people that show us some kind of effort. And actually, it's not a positive effort. It's actually a negative effort. It's something that's hurting the cause. It's something that's hurting what's going on in this story. So the third thing I want us to look at is this, is that I want us to look at the religious people's effort to criticize Jesus. The religious people's effort to criticize Jesus. Look at verses 6 and 7 again. It says, But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. These religious leaders had heard about Jesus, obviously, because they were there. They had maybe even seen Jesus perform other miracles. They had heard some of the things that he was saying. Jesus had probably already proved himself as the Son of God, and yet these men still decided they were going to be critical, that they were going to be critical of the Son of God. It's very interesting. Like I said, I want to challenge you to read all of Mark chapter 2 this week, because what you'll find in Mark chapter 2 is this. You'll find four different stories Four different episodes from the life of Jesus. Whether Jesus is healing somebody, whether Jesus is teaching, whether Jesus is, do, uh, is living life with his disciples. But in every single one of those four stories, you will also find a religious leader, a Pharisee, uh, a, a teacher of the law. You will find some person in every single one of those stories who is criticizing every move that Jesus makes. Everything that Jesus says is criticized. Everything that he does is criticized. And it's, I find it really interesting that in Mark chapter 2, you find every single story, there is somebody that's there that's being critical of Jesus. Sometimes it's the religious people in our lives that can be the most critical, isn't it? Sometimes we can be those hypercritical religious people who want to criticize everything that somebody does, everything that the church does, everything that, that we want to pick apart about somebody else's faith. Every, we can even be hypercritical of ourselves. And when we do that, we miss out. When we do that, we miss out on so much. The, the problem is this. Is it's not, the problem isn't necessarily being critical. We need, to be, we need to be critical. Scripture tells us to test everything and to hold on to what is good. The problem becomes whenever we become overly critical or whenever we have a critical spirit. Because whenever we have a critical spirit, we miss out on what God is doing. And being critical takes effort, doesn't it? It takes effort to pick apart somebody's life. It takes effort to pick apart an organization. It takes effort to pick apart yourself, your own mind, your own decisions. That takes effort. And if all we're doing is being critical, we're missing out on what God, is, what God might be doing right in front of us. I believe that the religious leaders and the Pharisees and all the people that are listed in Scripture that were critical of Jesus... Jesus was right in front of them, performing miracles and teaching and doing all of these amazing things, and they missed it. They missed it because they spent all of their time and energy with a critical spirit. 
When we have a critical spirit, it robs us of our joy. It robs us of the opportunity to see what Jesus might be doing right in front of us, but we don't see it because we're too busy being critical of what's going on around us. And so there's effort that we can be putting in. It can be both positive and negative. And so we need to be aware of when we're being hypercritical, overly critical. And I think we need to ask ourselves this question. Does my criticism help or hurt the cause? Does my criticism help or hurt the cause? Again, I'm not saying that there aren't times to be critical. We need to, have, we need to make sure we're doing everything with, with honesty and transparency. We need to make sure we're doing everything ethically. We need to make sure we're doing everything the right way. But does my criticism help or hurt the cause? Is my criticism of others, is my criticism of, of, of even my faith, is my criticism of the church, is my criticism of myself causing more harm or is it moving us forward? We need to be willing to ask ourselves these questions. So, is Jesus worthy of our effort? Sure he is. Sure he is. Whether we see that in a negative example from the religious leaders, whether we see that in friends who are willing to put everything on the line to bring their friend closer to Jesus, whether we see that through the faith of a, a paralyzed man who is desperately in need of Jesus, we see effort that can be put in that shows us that Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worthy. And so may we live our lives in reflection of that. May we look and examine our daily schedule. May we look and examine the way we spend our time and energy and money and everything that we do and be willing to ask ourselves, is Jesus really worth it? Is he worthy of my time? Is he worthy of my energy? Is he worthy of my effort? And as we answer that question, may our lives be changed by it. May we become more and more like Jesus every single day. Let me pray for us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, the life of Jesus and what it teaches us about ourselves. God, I thank you that a story that is over 2,000 years old can still make an impact and a difference in our hearts and in our minds and the way we live our lives today. God, thank you. Jesus, thank you for what you've done, what you did for that paralyzed man. Thank you for his friends. Thank you for the examples that they give us. God, may we learn to follow those examples and recognize every single day that you are worth our effort. You are worth our time. You are worth our energy. And God, as we answer that question, may it change the way that we live this week. May we be, in, may we be spending time with you. May we be spending time with others who are going to challenge us and bring us closer to you. And God, may we just live in our lives in reflection of what you have already done for us through the gift of your son. God, we love you. We thank you for what you're going to do in our lives this week. In your name we pray. Amen.